Uh, Lance? Hey, you like our new recording space? You like our new recording space? It's a little... roomy. Yeah, but it's cool, man. But it's cool, man. I guess so. Hello! Echo! Echo! Nice one. Thank you. Thank you. Yoo-hoo! What? 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 Yes. Yes. Oh, it knows us well. That it does. That it does. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today, we're talking about Echo, 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 Echo. Echo, Echo. Because we have the Disney Plus series for Echo dropping on January 9th. This episode is going to be releasing after that drops. But uh, we just wanted to talk about the character beforehand. Because, you know, new new year. It's a new season. This is the beginning of season three of Comic Book Keepers. We did not mention that the previous episode was the finale to season two because we didn't quite know it would be. But uh, yeah. here we are again. New it's, year. it's mostly because we just didn't want to scroll in our note, you know, That's further than we just wanted to just, just make it like, let's make this list shorter. Yeah. Every single time I was seeing, oh, what? What should we be talking about next time? And doom scrolling through a note yeah. that has continuously been going since 2020. It's a big note. Well, uh, we also have a new patron, Lance, since uh, the last time we recorded. We do. Uh, very excited to welcome Kareem Saad to our patron. I don't know. How do we call it? To our Patreon. Patreon. Uh, he, he is a patron on the he Patreon. He is a patron. And we're welcome, very, Kareem. very happy to have him. Uh, always appreciate the support that we receive from our patrons because it allows us to get nice new things and just continue the growth of the show, new equipment, being able to buy more comics access to all those digital platforms. It's very nice and convenient for research. Yes. And we have some great conversations and nerd out to things that we acquire throughout the year on our Discord channel, which is just for patrons. And Kareem will also have access to, as all of our patrons do, to our exclusive Patreon podcast, which is called Bagged and Boarded. And we do that once a month. And occasionally we'll do like extended episodes and we'll always drop our regular episodes early for patrons by a day or two. So if you're interested in any of that, please sign up on our Patreon. Even if you just join for a month to see what it's like, you can have access to all the past Bagged and Boarded and uh and join in our little conversation on on discord and it's fun yeah it's good times patreon.com slash comic book keepers but let's get back to our discussion on echo because this is a character that i honestly did not know much about until we saw her in the hawkeye series so this was a lot of education this time around so let's get right into the bio for this character Echo is a Marvel Comics hero created by David Mack and Joe Quesada. She is a character who is both Latin American and Indigenous American of the Cheyenne Nation descent, as well as one of the few comic book heroes who are deaf. Echo first appeared in Marvel Comics as an opponent for Daredevil, 
but she has gone on to team up with the Avengers, Moon Knight, Captain Marvel, and Daredevil again. She has also been the host of the Phoenix Force for a brief time. Recently, she made her MCU appearance in the Hawkeye TV series played by Alakwa Cox and is getting her own self-titled series starting this month. Yes, I'm very excited. And you can tell that uh, Echo, if not Maya Lopez, the name was is sort of entering into the pop culture because my sister, who is not really into comics, I was mentioning, oh, we're doing uh, this episode on Echo. And she was like, who's that? And I was like, oh, she was in the Hawkeye series. And 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 my sister was like, oh, you mean Maya? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like, so interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it was just this kind of like, OK, there's this like she really was an interesting character for people that might not really be into, you know, comics, but happen to watch the show. So I was like, yeah, Maya, like there's like she's a really cool character. So, I mean, kudos to the MCU for kind of introducing this really interesting character and very diverse, very different, you know, um, uh, handy capable, you know, in, in, in a different way that we haven't really seen deaf superheroes before. Um, I mean, they're, they're out there, but we, you don't really see them in the limelight and to have somebody of, uh, indigenous American descent and Latin American descent as well. Um, is, is just it. And it was, and it's not just like a recent thing, this character was created in 1999. So, you know, it's really interesting to just kind of have a character that's been around for a long time that's really getting a spotlight now recently. So I find it so interesting that your sister recognized her by her first name rather than the superhero name. Mm-hmm. Or I guess technically what we're going to be seeing Echo as is a villain in the series because the showrunners have come out saying that she is not playing a hero. Like this is going to be a character with layers to her so we'll we'll see what we get but it, it i find it really interesting that characters that for the majority of the time are known by their superhero name are getting known better by their first names just an interesting observation echo made her first comics appearance in daredevil number nine in 1999 this particular run was originally written by kevin smith with art by Joe Quesada. But Kevin Smith left after the first arc, and David Mack stepped in to write while Joe Quesada stayed on as artist. In 2004, New Avengers came out, and that was the first appearance of Ronan, which at first we didn't know it was Echo, but later on it was uh, revealed that she had taken up the mantle of Ronan, recommended by Daredevil uh, to Captain America saying, hey, I know this person. And then it was ended up being her. Yeah, it's interesting. It, that part is really interesting to her yeah. story because she had this checkered past and didn't want the Avengers to look bad. So yeah. that's why she took on the persona of Ronan so that she could hide her identity while still serving a purpose as a hero within the Avengers organization. And mm-hmm. the many listeners or people in within the MCU that have followed along with the MCU will recognize Ronan being the Hawkeye mantle that we got mm-hmm. to see in, was it Avengers Endgame, Endgame. or in Endgame? Mm-hmm. So we saw Hawkeye. So you saw Clint just going off and just slicing people down in the streets of Japan. But that was originally a character that was Maya's like alter ego. Yeah. 
And so I find it interesting that we get to have the introduction of Maya in the Hawkeye series, but we've seen Ronan previously played by Hawkeye. And now we're coming full circle with people learning that, oh no, Ronan was actually Maya originally. Yeah. We, we know the, the real story of Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 2007, uh, she was a integral part of the introduction of the secret invasion storyline in the comics. We'll get a little bit more into that in random facts. In 2011, she guest starred in the Moon Knight series. In 2016, she came back in Daredevil Annual and then was brought back again in Phoenix Song Echo um, after a storyline in the Avengers where they kind of went off and, and had this big contest of champions to get the Phoenix Force. And uh, it recently this year, well, I should say last year, 2023, um, uh, Daredevil and Echo was a four issue miniseries that came out, which uh, had her team up with her first kind of co-star uh, Daredevil. And they had a little adventure together, which was which was very good. Fun times. So Maya Lopez grew up with her Cheyenne father, William Crazy Horse Lincoln, after her Latina mother, Miss Lopez, deserts their family. Originally thought to be learning disabled, once her teachers notice her ability to duplicate musical performances on the piano, they come to realize that she is in fact deaf. At age nine, Maya's gangster father works with his partner in crime, Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin, who eventually kills him. According to Fisk in a later storyline, he said Crazy Horse was getting a little too crazy and that's why I had to take him out. But Fisk becomes Maya's guardian and hoping to one day use her talents, he subtly manipulates her into learning fighting skills as well as the performance arts, which she excels in both. She remains dedicated to Fisk as her father figure and is told that the killer of her father is actually his nemesis, Daredevil. Yeah, there's a lot of messed up manipulation going on with Kingpin and Maya mm -hmm. to the point where in the storyline that introduces Maya, Kingpin basically sends Maya to go meet with Matt Murdock to say like, oh no, he's not this and that. He's actually a good person. Because at that point, Maya believes, like truly believes. And so Matt listening to her isn't is able to tell that she she's telling the truth because that's what she believes but he already knows yeah. how messed up kingpin is at that point and within that storyline kingpin already knows daredevil is matt murdoch and there's a, yeah there's a lot of weird stuff going in on that storyline a lot of levels <laughs> too too many family it gets messy family messes the, the the character of kingpin has been around for a while at this point and i think introducing maya into this kind of like oh he's kind of taking her on and we you know, haven't really seen her in comics previously. So it's it kind of just adds some more nuance and levels. And just that first storyline, which we'll talk about, I, I thought was really cool just to add a lot of backstory to Wilson Fisk as well. Like it was absolutely it, it, his backstory, too. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a full on Kingpin episode at some point. But <laughs> yeah, for let's sure. learn about the character of Maya first. So names and aliases are obviously Maya Lopez, Echo, Ronan, Phoenix, and Thunderbird. Powers and abilities, which are, are many here, is just by watching other people, she has become a concert level pianist. And I found this really cool because obviously she's just watching a person's fingers move on the piano. 
but she really connects with music, not because she can hear it, but because she can feel the vibrations from it. So she puts her hands on the piano, can feel it. And it's a way she's able to interact with the world that she had never been able to do before. Uh, but also by watching other people, she has become a strong martial artist, a highly skilled acrobat, a gifted ballerina. She's able to fly the Quinjet at multiple times, uh, able to steal Daredevil's acrobatic skills, bullseyes, uncanny aim just by watching news footage of the two fighting. But however, her deafness gives her a huge drawback when she is in the dark because she is not able to see what is going on. And obviously because she can't hear she is easily taken advantage of in fights and easily defeated. She is an expert martial artist and hand-to-hand -hand combatant, highly skilled acrobat and athlete. She has photographic reflexes, which is very similar to Taskmaster. So she just has to watch somebody do a specific task and then is able to copy it because she can just pull it from her memory. However, this is limited by her physical ability. She can't just... She can't make herself fly like Captain Marvel just by watching it. Right. It has within her physical capabilities. She's an Olymp Olympic level athlete, which she won a whole bunch of gold medals at the Special Olympics to the point where they were like, uh, you're you're not uh, like handy capable. You're not you need special. To <laughs> you need to compete in, in the other Olympics, the, yeah. the non-limited Olympics, uh, which it's it, just – yeah, but it's so interesting. Uh, as when she has the Phoenix Force, she has telepathy, flight, superhuman strength, speed, and durability, as well as cosmic fire generation. Affiliations include Avengers, New Avengers, the Secret Avengers, the Hand, <laughs> and the Daughters of Liberty. Supporting characters include Matt Murdock, who is Daredevil, Hawkeye, Clint Barton, Moon Knight, Mark Spector, and Captain Marvel. An antagonist of which there are many, but the main ones are Kingpin, Elektra, Count Nefaria, and Namor. I wouldn't put, I wouldn't think of Namor being one of her main antagonists. That's well, a, I haven't read I, that storyline. I'm very interested. I put him in there because he was really gunning for and was the main kind of antagonist uh, with the Phoenix storyline. Like he was like, mm. I'm going to get it. And he was willing to like do anything to get it. And he basically beat her, but because she was unwilling to die the phoenix force was like you're you're the one that we want and and did not give it, it to namor and it kind of assumed uh you know merged into echo and gave her the phoenix ability and uh then <laughs> echo went back and like beat up it's <laughs> <That's> amazing <laughs> yeah. that would be wild if with it i haven't read the storyline but it would be absolutely bonkers if with the phoenix force because she also has that photogenic the photogenic reflexes if she is able to mimic cosmic level power sets from like the other you know like the other cosmic characters that are out there that would yeah, be very interesting true. to see i wonder if they combine those abilities at all i guess we'll have to read that storyline i haven't uh, we have to yeah well, I think it's about time we learn about the creators of Echo, a.k.a. My oh, Lopez. I can't wait. So let's go. Into the archives. Echo was created by David Mack and Joe Quesada. David Mack's artistic career started in high school where he wrote and acted in many school theater productions. 
Despite not attending a specialized art school, Mack earned scholarships to Northern Kentucky University based on his art portfolio alone. Fun fact, Mack competed in his university's college-level karate tournaments and beat the upperclassmen while he was a freshman winning first place in that competition. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. David Mack, by the way, met him once or twice at cons and he's a buff dude. Like this is is a dude that (laughs) definitely works out. (laughs) He went on to earn his BFA in graphic design, which included studies in sculpture, painting, drawing, art history, photography, topography, and bookmaking, as well as a minor in English. While still in school, Mack wrote and illustrated Kabuki, Circle of Blood, which served as his senior thesis. The premier collection of Kabuki was published by Caliber Press in 1994, and publisher rights for Kabuki switched hands multiple times, going from Caliber Press to Image Comics, and finally landing at Marvel Comics under the Icon Comics imprint. Kabuki would land Mac the notoriety of making New York Times best-selling list as both author and artist. In 1999, Mac teamed up with artist Joe Quesada for Daredevil Volume 2, which is where we see the introduction of Echo. But I personally learned about David Mack because of his incredible painted covers. That is the first time I, I saw any of their work. And it is just beautiful. Like the alias covers were probably the first time I saw anything. And the one, the comic is fantastic, but wow, his covers are brilliant. Yeah. The, 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 one, of, one of my favorite, I think, covers of any cover I've seen is is Daredevil. I want to say 15 where it's it's Daredevil, but it's kind of like that kind of watercolory, you know, side profile. And 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 that's uh, that should be familiar to fans, uh, watchers of the Daredevil um, opening credits, which are amazing. They're kind of modeled so after that David Mack style kind of drippy sort of profile. Like it's so cool. And yeah, it was it's just it's iconic. It's so good. And for those listening right now, you're like, oh, yeah, David Mack, the artist. Yeah. But in the storyline, Mack is writing the story, but he did the covers. He did the covers for his Daredevil run. So it's so cool. Uh, Mack has won multiple awards, including an ink pot in 2018 for achievements in comic book art and was nominated for an Emmy for the Jessica Jones Netflix opening titles. Also cool. (laughs) He was also nominated for three Eisner Awards related to his graphic novel Cover, which is inspired by his overseas work for the U.S. State Department. He has so much stuff going on. Really interesting career. And there was a lot more to his backstory. But knowing all the other work he has done, I wanted to save some info for a future episode, which I'm sure we will also cover another creation from David Mack further in his career. I think he's basically a spy. Probably. I I think at this point he definitely has to be. Now, let's switch gears over to our artist for the series, Joe Quesada. Quesada began his love for comics, like many of us, with the Amazing Spider-Man series starting around issue 98. Quesada majored in illustration at the School of Visual Arts in New York City, earning his BFA in 1984. Despite having drifted away from comics... His excitement for the medium was reinvigorated when a friend showed him Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, which, I mean, iconic, an amazing yeah. story. If you're going to get back into comics, I think that's a, that's a pretty good one to, to jumpstart you. Jump to 1990, Casada began work for DC Comics based on his 12-page portfolio, which included three-page sequences. 
and covers for a Superman story, X-Men, and then just a, a little vignette of two people having coffee. His work at DC was short-lived, but included art for Question Quarterly, Spelljammer, The Ray, and to the joy of many 1990 comics fans, Batman, Sword of Azrael, which introduced the world to Jean-Paul Valley Jr., a.k.a. Azrael, which people, you'll understand, goes on to be Azrael Batman, which takes the place, he, he takes the mantle of Batman after Bane breaks his back. So that really cool, sharp, daggered, a uh, very 90s extreme version of Batman. Very 90s. <laughs> That's that. that. This is that person. So Quesada did that alongside co-creators. As, Azrael yeah. Batman is one step away from Dark Claw. <laughs> Absolutely. And Azrael was created alongside the co-creators of Denny O'Neill and, mm. and Peter Milligan. While still in the early 90s, Quesada jumped over to Marvel to work on series including X-Factor, What the, Sleepwalker, and Midnight Suns Unlimited. In 1993, Quesada and Mark Moretti co-created the ninja spy Ninjak for Valiant Comics. Around the same time, Quesada had worked on various projects with writer and inker Jimmy Palmiotti, including his Valiant Comics, including Valiant Comics XO Manowar, but they worked on like the zero issue for XO Manowar. Hmm. But their creative chemistry resulted in a desire to create event comics, their very own studio of original characters, including Ash, a superpowered firefighter, and Painkiller Jane, who would go on to have crossovers with a bunch of different characters in, at, at multiple publishers. In 1997, event comics would publish Crimson Plague, the first creator-owned comic by the legendary George Perez. And that was about an alien with ultra-toxic blood and... Uh, Perez produced only one issue of the of the series and then tried to revamp it, I think, in 2000, but it didn't go very far. In 1998, Event Comics was contracted by Marvel Comics to revitalize some of their, you know, considered second tier characters under the Marvel Knights imprint. And, you know, these characters that didn't really mean much, you know, like Black Panther and Punisher and Inhumans and Daredevil, you know, little names, not big yeah. names at all, right? It is wild to me that at that time that those characters were not considered big. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> we talked about it with Black Panther. It was like Black Panther hadn't really been in many comics and they were just like, oh, we'll give him to Marvel Knights. It's fine. And and I mean, look at him now. He's just, he's he's top tier. You know, I mean, it's it's really interesting to see kind of the waves of popularity and when some of these characters get brought back. And how they get brought back. So it's cool when when you see stuff like that. It just shows you that any character can pop off given the right creative team. Because, you know, some some team like the Guardians of the Galaxy was in obscurity until we had a movie about them. And now they are one of the most popular teams in comicdom. It is yeah. absolutely wild to think that we're probably going to see it again down the line or very soon with characters that are considered lower tier and then they pop off and now they are considered top tier. So interesting. As the editor for Marvel Comics, Casada pushed for indie comic creators to join in to breathe new life into these underperforming characters. Now, Chris, let me just list some of these, you know, small time creators that were a part of Marvel Knights, okay. right? Let's, uh, let's go. Mike, Michael Avon Oming, you know, just, just known for now known for powers and one of my personal mm -hmm. favorites, Stormbreaker, the saga of Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. Brian Michael Bendis, who was also on Powers with Oming, yeah. as well as creating some of the currently most popular characters for Marvel Comics, including Miles Morales. 
Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon, who will be known for their work on Preacher as well as a million other titles. But it, it's it's wild that these were the indie comic creators that, you know, were just trying to be given a shot at that point <laughs> in time. And, and just to kind of round things out, you know, just having Christopher Priest and Mark Teixeira spearheading Black Panther. And then let's just bring in his little known creator, Kevin Smith, to start writing the Daredevil series with pencils by Casada. This must have been such an exciting time for this group of creators because they've all gone on to do such incredible work afterwards that this has to be such a strange time looking back and thinking that it started with a Marvel Knights imprint. Yeah. Now, it was in issue nine of Marvel Knights Daredevils that David Mack stepped in as writer with Casada staying on for artist. It was in that very issue that our creator duo would introduce the world to the new Marvel character of Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo. And as an added note, after Marvel Knights had run its course and the titles were returned to Marvel proper, Casada and Palmiotti resumed work for Marvel and closed down Event Comics in 1999. But it wasn't long after that in... But it wasn't long after that in 2000, Quesada was named Marvel's new editor-in-chief. So absolutely crushing it with Marvel Knights led him to becoming the new editor-in-chief of Marvel. Like, talk about a success story. Yeah, I mean, having characters that were not only rebranded, you know, breathed some life into these characters and, you know, a new source of revenue for a lot of them as well. Like Marvel was struggling back then. We got to remember financially. I mean, they were making some deals and trying to they didn't have the MCU. They were they were struggling to survive. So um, for them to have a success like that in the late 90s and uh, early 2000s was was key. So, I mean, if it was it was I remember when Quesada took over and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, wasn't he just an artist like and. I think that's cool that, you know, you have stories like that. Jim Lee taking over as uh, as editor for DC and and the creators from Image getting more into running things for for Image, you know, like and kind of getting more into the business side of things. I think that kind of changed comics as a whole because you had, you know, it wasn't just editors running things. It was artists and people that actually knew comics and made comics. And now they were the ones that were running things. So I think around the 90s is kind of where a lot of that shifted, which was which is pretty interesting. We get into that as we talk about more 90s creators. But comic book history. It's yeah. a wild thing. <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, that's, it, that's it, why we love it, talking it really about is. it. So. Yeah, there's a lot of good documentaries. I need to watch more of them, though. Well, Chris, what do we have suggested that our listeners should read? What's our pull list for Echo? Well, you know, I'll be honest. I I didn't get to read as much as I would like to, and I'm going to definitely continue to read some of the stuff on that I've saved from Marvel Unlimited um, for Echo. But I did, um, as I know you did, read the daredevil uh, parts of a whole story which is her introduction um, this was of course written by david mack or by joe casada jimmy palmiotti and david ross rob haynes and inks by palmiotti and mark morales colorist richard eisenov and david shelf this story which we first you know get the introduction of echo and and have continuing 
kind of story of Daredevil dealing with Kingpin. And it seems like, oh, they've done this many times. But what's interesting about this is that it introduces this character of Maya Lopez as kind of a, a Kingpin's way of saying like, hey, I know what's going on with with uh, with Daredevil and I and I want you to go find out and then like you're going to kill him. Um, he's kind of manipulated and trained this this, you know, good looking, uh, very talented and and very, um, you know, kind of trusted resource that he has into basically being an assassin um, to find out more and, and kind of manipulated her by saying like, oh, well, Daredevil, this antagonist that I've had all my life that's caused me so much pain is the one that killed your father. And, you know, so it's it, it's it's very smart and cunning move by Kingpin. But I thought I thought it was really interesting. Just the whole storyline was was really well done. I thought their relationship was really cool. And just the way that like you've seen you see romances and comic book romances between superheroes. But this was interesting because Daredevil's blind. Echo is is deaf and they meet and kind of have this romantic relationship. And you, you kind of switch between Matt Murdock's you know, oh, the smell of her is in, is is intense and she she doesn't wear overpowering cologne. And it's all about like his senses. And then it switches to Maya's perception and how she sees his lips and she sees his mannerisms and and it's not what she expected. And it it's really kind of cool to see like how the sensory descriptions from both of them and each one of them from from a perspective that, you know, most of us that are reading this don't really have. So I, I thought that was done really well. Yeah, it was really smart. I, I really enjoyed how they played with th- the, the senses side of things. And so like you mentioned, where Daredevil was more intoxicated by her scent, but you had Maya who mentioned multiple times that Matt spoke in a way that she hasn't heard someone speak before. And it, it was like cutting through her, her. And mm-hmm. I, that led to kind of her letting a guard down and then resulting in their romance. But while you have this beautiful budding romance on one side, you now have as soon as the, kind of the night comes, you have Maya going after Daredevil for what she believes is the who she believes is the murderer of her father and is yeah. also trying to take down incorrectly or erroneously the, the person that has stepped up into her father role, which is the kingpin. And th- there's a lot of just really smart dialogue within the story. There's there's a couple problematic th- words that are used in the story that would definitely get taken out today, yeah. uh, which I'm not even going to bring up. So th- it is kind of of the time and words that were used without thought. And it's unfortunate that it's in there, but it is. However, there is one part of the story that I thought was so good. I just kind of want to bring it up. And that's when uh, Matt is talking about how when he plays music that he that each chord kind of has a certain smell to it. So how he processes sensations or sensory information is going to be a little bit different. So he mentions like when he plays C major, he smells uh, C major smells like an old pair of boxing gloves. D major mm-hmm. and minor are left and right jabs. They are the colors of my father's face when he would get mad. E major is coppery, the aftertaste of blood, blood lip. And it just yeah. kind of keeps going from there. 
But the reason I wanted to bring it up is because within the storyline, there's an individual that comes to Nelson and Murdoch and is trying to get help to go after the Kingpin, but is scared. And this happens very early on. It's not a spoiler. There is an assassin that has been sent to take out this individual that's trying to spread this information about the Kingpin. And after this person shoots into the building and takes out this individual, multiple bullets go into the piano that is also at the office of Nelson and Murdoch. And Matt just says, C major, the smell of old boxing gloves. And then he immediately starts changing into daredevil. He starts to switch clothes so he can go after this individual. And it was just so smart. It's such a cool thing. It's like you, the bullet hits the piano causing the C major sound. And it immediately is like, okay, it's time to fight. And it was Mm -hmm. so smart. I loved it so much. It's so good. But I really obviously want to also highlight Maya here and her ability to view tapes of various performers, of dancers, and then just these beautiful performances. Quesada's art is brilliant in this storyline, especially when Maya is dancing, because it really does look like uh, like true study of form and and body manipulation. And, and it's like you're watching someone do this high performance dance presentation, but it's in a comic book. It's so cool. There's just a lot of very interesting elements to the storyline that I think everyone truly will enjoy it if you give it the chance. So Daredevil slash Echo, parts of a whole, definitely check out that book. And uh, Chris... There's, there's something exciting for a change. You have a grail find for this episode. <laughs> what, what's your grail find? Yeah. Um, my gra- Well, uh, our grail find is uh, the first appearance of Ronan, which is New Avengers 11. So this yes. is the first appearance of, of the Ronan character, which we don't know at first is Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo, but later is revealed to, to be Echo. Um, but I do have that issue. Yeah, I have that. I have a couple of I, pretty much a lot of that that run of, of New Avengers. And this was kind of fun to see this character. And I, I remember collecting those issues all throughout the reveal of like and I was like, who? Because <laughs> I didn't know who Echo was <laughs> when they revealed it. And I remember like in the community, there was a lot of like, oh, it's Daredevil or oh, it's Hawkeye or oh, it's you know, somebody said it was you know, various people or whatever. And um, a lot of people thought it was Daredevil, which and it almost was. But um, yeah. but then it ends up being Echo and, and it's, it's kind of like, oh, OK. But I thought that was that was pretty neat. But you have that as well. But yours is a little bit special. Well, no. So I have a different thing that is also special. So oh, I okay. have I have new Avengers 11, but I have the Daredevil. So I have the Daredevil Echo parts of a whole hardcover, but oh, I okay, bought gotcha. mine directly from David Mack at San Diego Comic-Con and then nice. splurged a little bit and got him to do a remark inside of the hardcover. So here I'll show you, Chris. OK, you see. Oh, nice. Yes. And Daredevil Mac- with a little echo, mm-hmm. little sunburst in the middle. I like that. It's yeah, cool. yeah. So David Mack, very nice individual. If you ever see him at a con, go get something signed by him because he's super nice. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris. It's about that time that I have one of my favorite moments of our episodes. That's the random facts. Oh, you ready for some random facts? Let's go. Always. All right. 
Uh, Echo was the first character to assume the Ronin persona, as we've said. Originally, Brian Michael Bendis created Ronin with the intention that they would be revealed as Matt Murdock. But when Daredevil wasn't available due to his own comic storyline, Bendis chose Maya instead to step into the Ronin persona, which is which I thought was kind of interesting to be like, oh, hard pivot. But I still like this character, this sort of reveal of, you know, a superhero that has to kind of hide who they actually are. Um, and I thought that was cool that that he chose Echo. I like the I, I really en- I really like the reasoning for Maya being Echo, though, just the whole of not wanting not wanting to make the Avengers look bad. So let me just be this individual that they don't know who I am, but I'm also right. going to be an absolute beast on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, her photographic reflexes allow her to immediately memorize the movements and skills of others. We've talked about her mimicking Daredevil and Bullseye, but she also watched a lot of videos of Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee. She was the first to reveal the secret invasion when she killed who she thought was Electra, but it was actually a scroll. And Echo has also had romantic relationships, not just with Daredevil, but also Clint Barton and Moon Knight, Mark Spector. She has actually died and has been resurrected as a brainwashed assassin for the hand. Um, Echo uses both ASL, American Sign Language, and Native American sign systems as well. And David Mack was said to uh, have been inspired by his Cherokee uncle who told him stories as a child, uh, even though it wasn't a specific indigenous American superhero uh, that inspired this character. It was stories about the the lore and, and kind of the um, the meaning and the nature and everything that that has kind of you see some elements of that into the story, especially when later on I, I read some of when David Mack was the artist for Daredevil in the I want to say it was like around issue 50 is when Echo comes back and Mack is actually doing the art and you can see a lot of that um, a lot of the indigenous American, like the Cheyenne kind of um, influence Influence. artwork. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Very cool. Yeah. So let's jump over to adaptations. So first off in the animated ultimate Spider-Man, she has a cameo in the daredevil game boy advance tie in film game. (laughs) She is one (laughs) of the bosses. So, So the, the game of the film that Ben Affleck was in. Yes. She was a boss. She was a boss in that game. Weird. She wasn't even in the movie, but she's the, not even I in guess the movie of the time in the early 2000s. Like, yeah, Echo was kind of established as like a cool character. So that's interesting. She was a it was a boss. Yeah. All right. And you can also unlock her Ronin persona in the PSP version of Marvel Ultimate Alliance. And we can't do a list, obviously, without Lego Marvel's Avengers. There's always going to be a Lego game. Of course. Every single one of these Marvel characters has been in one. Well, the big one we've already mentioned, uh, Alakwa Cox, who first appeared in the Disney Plus Hawkeye series in 2021, which is kind of a Christmas themed uh, series and uh, will soon have her own spinoff series, appropriately titled Echo, premiering in January of 2024, which we haven't seen yet. It's going to be, I think, six issues, six or six issues, six episodes. (laughs) (laughs) And looks like it's a very like it's 
mature. I want to say they said it was like 14 yeah, and up MA. or something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's MA. TV yeah, it's, MA. it's TVMA, which is different for for Disney. And so I think they're kind of testing the waters with like, how much can we get away with, with violence, with action? Vincent D'Onofrio is coming back as Kingpin. He and looks they're- so good in the trailers and everything for Echo because I feel there was like a hard pivot to really yeah. build up the like the Daredevil Echo universe that's going on. Yes. And you could tell that Vincent D'Onofrio wasn't as big as he normally is to play Kingpin when he mm-hmm. did his part in the Hawkeye series. But mm-hmm. he looks true to form again. He is built in yeah. Echo. And I'm so excited to see what we get from him going forward because he's one of the best villains, period. Oh, yeah. With Within Marvel in any. He's the best adaptation. street level villain. I mean. Absolutely. I, I, it, without a doubt. I mean, like he he's he is called the kingpin for a reason so of course they're gonna make him super intimidating he was so good in daredevil and speaking of daredevil charlie cox will come back as daredevil in the echo series as well he's there and it looks like it's his red suit (laughs) yeah so we'll see how that but but obviously we're also excited to see alakwa cox again she was a very good part of the hawkeye series i loved loved the Hawkeye Disney plus series. It was one of my favorites that they've done so far. It was a lot of fun. And I, I'm really interested to see what they do with the character moving forward. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll see very soon. We wish we had gotten some screeners from Disney plus. Hey, Disney, please give us screeners. Uh, But we'll see what happens moving forward. But obviously we'll have watched those episodes by the time this episode even gets dropped in the middle of January. Alrighty, well, it's time to go to our strangest segment. What, what is? is? Each issue we do what nerds do best, we share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. In this issue, we decided to ask, what ability would you like to mimic perfectly just by observing it? But obviously, we're limiting this based on our own physical capacity. Yes. Now, this is a little different because we, we have covered Taskmaster before. But with Taskmaster, it was more of what character outside of Marvel would you want Taskmaster to be able to mimic? So this time around, it's what we want to be able to mimic. So there's a lot of different ways we could go with this. But Chris, what is the thing that you would like to be able to mimic perfectly? (laughs) I felt like this was strangely appropriate being it's like it's almost like what's your New Year's resolution of something you want to learn? So good timing on this. But right. and I tried to pick something that would be like, well, it's not just something you can learn with a couple hours like origami or whatever. You know, um, So something I've always wanted to get better at and I used to do a little bit was play piano and just get much better at playing piano. And I, I just it's it's the instrument that I regret not continuing with and right. um, just putting in the time and putting in the muscle memory um, if I could watch it and just be like, you know, it's anytime <laughs> you bust on the piano, just like having a good old time uh, playing stuff for people. It just it just brings joy to people. And and uh, I, I love it. The other thing I'm going to pick, too. The other thing is I would love to have the skills of a teppanyaki chef. This is the <laughs> kind of large grill Japanese style cooking of chopping stuff and switching stuff and mixing and just like I just love that style of cooking and if I could like watch it and be like you know learn all the tricks and all the all the <laughs> culinary uh you make know, that onion volcano and, uh, you know I mean 
but there's nothing wrong with that little onion volcano. It's true. I, no, I those are good that. choices. Very Flipping good choices. an egg, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Just throw in shrimp at people on the table trying to make them yeah. eat it, catch it in their mouth. Ex- yeah, that's exactly. good. Exactly. I could do that. No, that's solid. Great choices. Uh, I like playing the piano or playing any instrument is definitely high on my list. But because you chose that, I'm going to go a different route. And I also mm-hmm. chose two. Uh, first one is I want to know how to do ASL. Like I would love to be able to know American sign language. It is something that I've had multiple patients at the hand clinic that are deaf and Mm. being able to communicate with them directly rather than using a translator would make for such a more like personable interaction between them. And I, I just love the idea of being able to learn another language. And this is one that kind of ties in perfectly with Echo's abilities and however, the the other thing I would love to be able to learn is I want to be a video game champion. I want to be able to beat everyone. <laughs> Hard pivot. Every video game. <laughs> Do you have you seen how much money those video game yeah, championships no, go for? I, 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 I will be I will be like Super Smash Brothering, destroying people for millions of dollars. I will there, do there's, it. I, there's definitely something there. I mean, I think I think where the skill and dexterity of hand-eye coordination come in is like with something like where you're doing like fighting games where you have to know all the you know moves and combinations and stuff or even something like you know super smash brothers mario kart you know whatever where it's like you you just have to be able to do all these repeating patterns and they're um yeah it's sure i mean that that makes my fingers hurt just thinking about it but um I'll have arthritis, <laughs> but it'll be worth it. I'll finally be able to successfully do a fatality, Chris. Uh, I, I was never able to do that. Nope. <laughs> I just always kicked the guy in the shin, and that's where <laughs> it ended. <laughs> I just kind of punched in the air a couple times, and then they just fell over. <laughs> that was my... <laughs> I feel like half the time I didn't even like hit them, and they're just like timed out, and the guy just yeah. fell down. Go to Mortal <sighs> Kombat. If only we had the ability of Maya Lopez. Echo, she's a beast. Excited to see what she does in her own series. But I think that rounds out our episode, Chris. Yeah. It's time to close the book on Echo. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Lance. Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books, closer. Closer, 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 closer. Closer.